PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites. Archive, distribute, and display your photos in a flash-free, responsive website. Try one for free for 14 days at PhotoShelter.com. Get our latest educational guides for free. PhotoShelter.com slash resources. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Alan Murabayashi, broadcasting live from New York, the world headquarters of PhotoShelter. You are listening to the podcast of I Love Photography Live. You might be watching us on YouTube by going to youtube.com slash photoshelter, or you might have downloaded the audio podcast by going to iTunes and searching for I Love Photography. As always, I'm joined by my host, Sarah Jacobs. Hey, Alan, how you doing? Sarah, you know, a couple weeks ago, I made a new, what we call in the biz, lower third. That is a little thing that has my name on it. And I forgot to make you one. So you have kind of the janky looking one. You have the old janky one. Yours is very high tech and beautiful and mine's old school Google. Mine has hashtags. Mine has my Instagram account, my Twitter account. You're going to get so many followers from your lower third. I'm going to get zero followers (laughs) from my lower third. (laughs) Because most people are listening to the audio podcast. Well, that's okay. It doesn't matter. You know, we we describe the photos to you. um, And you can check out the links for yourself by going to blog.photoshelter.com. And since we uh, missed uh, the show last week, we have a lot to talk about because a lot of stuff has happened in the world. We ought to get right to it. First of all, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was a big, big earthquake in Nepal. Um, And then just last week or earlier this week, uh, there was another huge uh, tremor. I think it was uh, seven something on the Richter scale. They are getting decimated over there. It It is a bad scene over there. Um, and time sent, uh, James Nockway, who's no stranger to, uh, areas of despair and conflict and war photography, et cetera. And, uh, like always, the guy is just really nailing it with the photography, some really, really heartbreaking photos and, you know, Kathmandu where he's shooting, you know, you, you've probably seen Sarah, a lot of those photos where they have the before and afters of of architectural things that have been there for hundreds of years that are just flattened. Um, it's really, it's really disheartening to see all of this stuff. The one thing that I noticed as well, when I was looking at these photos to, to change topics at low res and at high res time is doing something with the photos where they're, they're using too much compression. Oh, the photos don't look good. You get a lot of really jaggy edges and particularly there's a few images um, where there's, you know, blue sky. You know, if you look around his, his hand here, I know it's hard to see in the, the broadcast, but if you look at the edges, they're really, really pixelated. And I'm thinking, you know, you send Jim Nockway out there to shoot this stuff and you're trying to tell this really humanitarianism story. And I, I think it's a disservice to the photos and to the subjects that, that it's so noticeable. Mm, so, but you're able to switch to high res? No, I looked, I looked at even the high, you know, the full screen version of them. And, yeah. you know, they're a little bit bigger, but they still have that same sort of artifact of heavy JPEG compression, which is unfortunate because the photos are, you know, you look at this stuff and, and the, the grief and the questions in, in their eyes, and you're just distracted by weird JPEG artifacts. Yeah, well, all the more reason to pick up um, this week's edition of Time. And uh, ha- yeah, <laughs> one of his images is gracing the cover. 
So he's been doing this. This is the second dispatch from Nepal um, on time.com. Again, you can get all the links on blog.photoshelter.com. Uh, but you can see the first set of dispatches uh, out there. But uh, millions of ways to donate uh, Red Cross. And uh, I think Facebook was doing something for a while where you could donate through Facebook. So send them your love, all those people in photo shelter land. Uh, Marcus Bleasdale from Seven received the Robert Kappa Gold Medal from the Overseas Press Club for all the work that he's done over the years. And here was an interview on the Lens blog with James Estrin. And I found this interesting because it echoed some of the stuff that we heard from Tim Matsui. Uh, I'm going to say about two months ago, we interviewed Tim Matsui, who was working on a domestic minor sex trafficking uh, that was happening in the U.S. And Tim said at some point uh, in his Twitter feed, I'm going to paraphrase so if, I'm, if I'm butchering it, which I'm sure I will be. He basically said there's no point in doing documentary, photographer, documentary photography if it doesn't change the lives of the subjects which is a very, very activist and progressive viewpoint on documentary photography, because in the past, the photographer is supposed to be invisible. The photographer is just supposed to document the scene. But like Tim Matsui, Marcus Bleasdale in this interview at the end, really kind of takes a tact of you got to go out and you have to make a change and you have to find organizations that can help affect change and you have to find organizations that can help uh, fund these types of works where they're not necessarily the mainstream or the, the Western uh, recognized problem. Um, he, he doesn't say activist photographer. I'm the one that's been putting that stamp on people. Um, but it's really talking about uh, what he says is the, the concerned photographer, which to me sort of implies like I care so much about the subjects that I'm trying to affect change for them. Right. And it's more than just about winning awards from the work, which yeah, is what and, Tim, Tim talked about. Yeah. And these guys that do it, who take on a project that in often cases becomes very personal and they do it for years and years and years, they don't care about the awards. I mean, the awards help bring attention to the cause, but you know, they win $10,000 or $20,000 and then they use it immediately to go back and shoot their subjects or make it into a film or something. Right. It's a, uh, it's a really, really interesting time. And, you know, I'm seeing this a lot from, you know, people who shoot for National Geographic. We've talked to Amy Vitale and the work that she's doing with wildlife conservation. Um, you know, the photographers now are learning to use social media um, to really help these different causes. And I think it's a really interesting development. And I think it's fantastic. Fantastic stuff. Lauren Greenfield. Also on the, the Lens blog, Lauren Greenfield shot uh, a project in LA many, many years ago. I think it was probably one of her first stories that got a lot of attention on youth culture called Fast Forward. I love that body of work. It was great. You know, just like kids hanging out in their cars and being kids and wearing all this very, very bright clothing. She has obviously blown up in the past decade or so. And uh, most recently she uh, directed the, um, what was it, Throw Like a Girl or Like a Girl campaign, um, ah, which is a big was, ad mm -hmm. uh, during the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, and now she's over in China and she is taking photos of this new generation of the super rich uh, in what she is calling 
the Bling Dynasty, which I thought was kind of funny because of the Ming Dynasty and all these different dynasties that happened there. So Bling Dynasty, all right, good, <laughs> funny pun there. Um, but look at this photo. This is the uh, this is a photo of uh, 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 who I believe is like a, a consultant. Yeah, she's an etiquette teacher. She's an etiquette teacher in Beijing, um, teaching uh, someone who can afford, uh, you know, several thousand dollars to learn etiquette, like how to wear a hat. How to wear a hat. I, I, I didn't know you had to learn that. Oh yeah, in case you're going to, you know, the derby, you gotta, yeah. you gotta know how to uh, wear a hat. But look at this. This photo is fantastic. There's a blue hat on the table. Um, the the woman who's taking the class is uh, reflected in a mirror wearing a red hat. There is a, a yellow curtain or some sort of draw shade behind her, but it has um, Chinese characters and, and calligraphy written on them. So contextually, you know exactly where you are all of a sudden. And then you have this etiquette teacher holding the mirror um, and the student is like looking for approval or what, how do I look or what am I supposed to do? What like, is this what a, hat on my head? <laughs> it's, so, it's such a, it, it's a great article and the photos are great. And l listen, you know, do this for me. If you, if you look at the links, I want you to go to the lens blog and look at the quality of the photos, the image quality, literally the JPEG compression quality, and then go to the Jim Nockway work on time. It's night and day. And yeah. I can understand from, from time's perspective, you know, you want the images to load fast. Uh, so you try to reduce the file size and all. But again, I think it's a disservice to the images um, to have visible compression on them. Fancy this, champagne. This is fancy great. Gold. Gold flaked champagne. I thought about you immediately when I saw this. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did take a. Uh, you know, I told you about my online champagne course, but I did a exactly with twenty-two champagnes on Monday. Wow. So uh, we we were not served the gold flecked champagne. However, you might have to buy this, get it imported <laughs> for the next next gathering. <laughs> well, these are great photos, and I look forward to seeing this uh, project progress. Here is like a, a super luxury yacht, and they hired the dancer Alexa Ira. To just dance on the back of the boat, because I guess that's what <laughs> rich people do. Lauren is very good at capturing that those sort of off moments. So in that photo, for example, there there's a man cleaning the boat. Yep. While while Alexa is dancing, you know, just like this sort of strange. And this is sort of sort of like the Chinese version of the Queen of Versailles, which was a yeah. great documentary. Yeah, which is Lauren's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is Lauren. And it just, it kind of points back to the general excess, mm -hmm. excessiveness of the ultra wealthy. Absolutely. That's kind of Lauren's, Lauren's stick. Yeah, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Uh, this blew up, this blew up really fast about two <laughs> weeks ago and then went away even faster. Yeah. It was literally like 24 <laughs> hours on Facebook. And we're talking about how old.net, how dash old.net. And it was a uh, little website put together by some developers at Microsoft who are working on the, um, an API for facial detection, the faces API. And so these two guys put this thing together because part of that API can apparently guess how old you are based on a photo. So they put this thing up and it went viral for like 24 hours until all these articles started coming out saying, oh, what this really is, 
is they're grabbing all of this metadata from your computer so that they can serve you up ads. So mad. <laughs> right? So crazy. Like your location and what, yeah. you know, if they were really smart, what they would have should have done is when it tells you your age, you correct it. And now they know exactly how old you are. Oh, yeah. That, yep. that should have been step two. Ho, ho. So, Sarah, <laughs> you uploaded, I'm, I'm assuming you uploaded an, an image of yourself. Um, I did it because really? I was I, I was a little skeptical, you know, from working at a, a, a website. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, with working within the industry, I was like, mm, I wonder why they want this. But someone else uploaded my photo without asking me. Ooh. So rude. So anyways, now this howold.net thinks I'm 47. Oh, <laughs> that's why I always tell you, tell you to wear a sunscreen. Right. You know, that photo aging. Right. And what about you? Did you upload a pic? You know, I uploaded a, I uploaded a couple. You know, I, I uploaded one that said I was 33 and then another one that said I was 54. <sighs> Dang it. They need Wait. to get this better. Yeah, that's not a good algorithm when it's off by <laughs> 20 years. And it was essentially kind of, you know, it wasn't a blurry photo. It, my face was very clear. And in neither photo did I think I looked 54 years old. Never, Alan. No. What an insult. What an insult. <laughs> but hey, you know what? I, I, I think this uh, facial detection for all the creepiness, it, it's pretty darn useful for your own photo library. Well, for example, if, you know, I have hundreds of thousands of photos and if I wanted to find all the photos of you without involving the NSA, you know, facial detection would be a really, really cool way to do it. Right. And uh, Lightroom 6, which just came out a month ago, has facial detection, but like, uh, like Aperture, uh, the thing is really slow and it's not super accurate. Uh. So... I guess there's still more to be learned with facial detection. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, Pete Souza is the official White House photographer, and he's been with the president for six years since Obama took office in 2008, I guess it is. Uh, and he recently published on Medium. A lot of people are publishing on Medium now, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I love that he's using this platform. Yeah, I mean, super progressive. You know, they, they were the first administration that put the White House photo feed as, as restrictive as that is. You know, there's been a lot of complaints from the press saying we don't have the same access as we used to. Right. Um, but he did set up a Flickr feed for the White House, which yep. has a ton of really great photos because Pete's a great photographer. And in this Medium uh, article, he basically shows a photo of the president in all 50 states that he's he's taken over the past six years. I hope he makes, I think he should make a book out of this because these collection of images are amazing. And it's a really interesting way to look at the US in the past six years and like what's happened. It, and, it reminded me almost immediately of those Buzzfeed articles of, you know, 10 things that only people from Arizona would understand. Right. Um, because of course you go to your state first. To right. See where the photo was taken. Where was Texas taken? He Remember? was at the University of, yeah, University Texas of Texas in Austin. Austin. Yeah. Oh, okay. Trying on cowboy boots. And I, I of course, I looked at Hawaii's. Yeah. They pulled him in the of ocean. Course, of course. <laughs> this is a gorgeous photo here. Look at the placement of, of bodies in the Golden Gate. I mean, Pete just nails it every time, every state, every state. 
<laughs> you know, I, I totally understand the complaint of the White, uh, White House press corps uh, of not having access and having just, you know, Pete taking the photos. Absolutely. Um, but thank God he's a good photographer. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the complaint, again, is that, you know, he, he makes, he creates all of these hero shots. And oh, that, I... is not, that is not what, you know, documenting the president is about. Well, this isn't so much of a hero shot, this particular one. Yeah, this one is sad. You know, some of them were very, very moving. That's him in Connecticut right before he's about to do a speech for the Newtown School. Yeah. Newton, excuse me. So great set of photos, obviously 50 of them. Uh, They should have added Guam and American Samoa and Puerto Rico, all of the territories where they don't get to vote, sadly. Oh, yeah. Uh, But that would have been interesting as well. I don't know that he's been to all of those places, though. Um, But great set of photos. Check them out on Medium, and you can get those links on blog.photoshelter.com. The National Geographic Traveler Photo Contest uh, is upon us once again, uh, the 27th annual, and you have another few weeks until June 30th to enter. And the interesting thing about Nat Geo is that they uh, show you all the entries rolling you know set which i guess is one of the most transparent ways of kind of looking at how you're doing in comparison to other things and i gotta say you know you look at these photos and then eventually you see the winners of these contests that are crowdsourced there are some really good photographers out there who are not full-time photographers super nice you know you look at this portrait here this is uh mattia passerini a member of the cognac photo from northeastern India, like a beautiful, beautiful portrait. Underwater stuff, stuff taken in the Arctic. Uh, I can't wait to see the winners of this contest. A vulture and a hyena. <laughs> Do we know who's judging this? Uh, I We don't. That, that would be interesting. You know, I, I have a set of interview questions out to the uh, director of photography over at Nat Geographic Traveler, so I could, I could ask him. Oh, yeah. That out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but once again, you know, this is Alan Taylor, um, who does this, who edits this down, the in focus feature. And again, you know, he came from the big picture over at the, the Boston Globe. Since we're on the topic this week, the image quality of these images, again, is so much higher than Time Magazine. Time, what are you doing? <laughs> Kira Pollock, I'm going to send you an email and complain about the image quality. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but fantastic work here. It kind of makes me want to go out into the forest and take photos of bears. <laughs> Except for those bears that got trapped on the highway. And that, that, that thing whole happened. I don't know if you saw that. No. Mm. Anyway. Now we come to the Instagram <laughs> portion of the show. You can't have a show without talking about Instagram and mobile photography. Because Ooh. it is just, it is photography now. And uh, Getty Images has come together um, to fund projects of people who primarily have been shooting and distributing through Instagram. $30,000 for a new photography grant program. And it's based, you know, people often uh, are concerned with uh, assembling their portfolios before awards season, but this is totally based off of your Instagram feed. So if your Instagram feed isn't already you know, the, the style that you shoot in, uh, you're not going to have much success. But this is really cool. $30,000. Yeah, that's so much. I, I do wonder how, you know, they're going to be choosing the winners. Because sometimes I feel like Instagram's just a giant popularity contest, you know? And yeah. so I hope it's not just 
shifted to those that have a lot of likes and, exactly get that yeah. have the most followers etc no i gotta i gotta suspect that they're savvy enough to to really look at the photographic quality you know my question now is at what point in the history of photography are we going to stop treating instagram and mobile photography as a separate category uh, i know that's happened a little bit already but but every time that uh you know i remember in superstorm sandy which was what three years ago something yeah. like that yeah um when ben lowey had the cover of time shot with his iphone and it was still a big deal it was like oh my god we sent out photographers with their iphones and one of those photos became the cover mm -hmm. and that was a big deal it was a big deal right yeah and and, and the iphones are so great now and now there's you know the sony's and and the samsung's i mean all these cameras are so great now like what's the big deal why do we still make that distinction i don't know that's, uh, that was number one. Here's number two. A man steals $150,000 from a bank just so he can put it on Instagram. <laughs> this uh, is coming from Gawker, which is not that much of a surprise, but he really just wanted to have a photo of what $150,000 looked like. So he went to a bank and gave the teller the note. And uh, here's the note. And uh, then he... He threatens to blow up if she refuses blow up the bank this is listen <laughs> you know i'm all for getting a nice shot in your instagram feed and getting a lot of likes and whatnot but this come on <laughs> this is a little come much on. this is a little much <laughs> the guy is clearly insane if you read any of the quotes they have in the article it's, yeah yeah I, you know i i wonder what the creators of instagram they probably never thought that it would be used as an excuse to rob a bank see this is this is part of the, this is part of this culture of like popularity contests here because uh, yeah why else would you rob a bank that's just dumb that's a that's a huge <laughs> crime that you could go into jail for a long time especially threatening to kill people that's not good either right like for like alan <sighs> instagram instagram <laughs> here's instagram number three this is uh during the baltimore riots um Again, so much civil unrest in the past couple of years. The Baltimore riots, uh, Freddie Gray, um, who, who died uh, in a police van. Uh, six officers were indicted as a result of that. And during the riots that occurred in the aftermath, uh, self-taught photographer Devin Allen, who's also a Baltimore native, was out and about taking photos of the protest. Um, in part because I think he, like many people in these areas, Staten Island, Ferguson, et cetera, uh, really feel like the media coverage is biased. They're really showing you kind of one side. Everyone wants to focus on the protests and the violence. And, uh, you know, rarely do you see the photos of uh, people cleaning up the next day, the next morning for hours and hours and hours. Um, so Devin Allen is 26 and he's out there shooting with his phone. Uh, he's shooting them in black and white, publishing them on Instagram. He's captioning stuff, telling people where he is. Yeah, and the photos have just gone viral. And so, and now he's graced the cover of Time twice. And fantastic stuff. Here's the cover. And a great, I mean, first of all, you know, it's black and white and, and they, Time did a really nice job saying America 1968 and then crossing it out and saying, no, this is actually 2015. Uh, and a great photo of this uh, young black man running in front of the cops. Um, and you just can't believe that it's a month ago that this happened. Crazy. 
So Devin, you know, here's to all of the citizen photojournalists who actually take that responsibility um, very, very seriously and are trying to hone their craft and tell a story. Uh, and thank God for Instagram. In this case, we're not talking about stealing $150,000. We're talking about uh, a native on the ground showing what's really, really happening. And we've seen this in a lot of other places like Syria and Iraq and, and whatnot. And what an what a interesting time we live in with this technology. He's the one who should win the Getty Instagram grant. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Apply for that, Devin. Shoe in, yeah. <laughs> uh, time says, uh, you know, 1968. Let's actually go back in the day because we love these old photos. And there is a exhibit of a photographer's work. The photographer is Jerome Liebling, who passed away in 2011 and shot New York City for over 50 years. So at the Stephen Kasher Gallery in New York City through June 6, a lot of his photos. Um, and here's the first one in the series on Slate.com. Uh, a young uh, black child looking terribly dapper with his coat. I know, so cute. Wow. <laughs> Um, but a mix of black and white and color, and this this is just cool. This is just cool, cool stuff. I know. I want to go back to New York in that time. Although this this right here almost looks like it could be current day Deep Bushwick. Almost right. Still, yeah. It's crazy how it's all like retroy <laughs> Bushwick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The only thing that really kind of gives it away in a lot of cases, although as we'll see in, in a later story, you know, I, I'm going to say like haircuts to me now are the largest change because so much of the clothing is comes back. Yeah. Luke's so you see it looks retro, but it looks contemporary in some ways. Oh, I love these old photos. Love them. Great stuff. So that's uh, Jerome Liebling at the Stephen Kasher Gallery here in New York. So if you're visiting or if you're in town, go see them. Great stuff. Uh, I slipped this one in, Sarah, but you might have seen it in the uh, in the list that we always prepare before the show. And this is a series of photos taken in 1913, and they're color photos. And the uh, the film or the process, if you will, is called autochrome and it's actually glass covered with potato starch or something like that photosensitive potato starch and uh it's incredible the colors 1913 and you think about film sensitivity at that time wasn't that high so uh this photographer's daughter is the model uh mervyn o'gorman was 42 when he took these photos of his daughter christina in the english county of dorset and you know, to my previous point, her face and even her haircut, they look very, very contemporary. Of course, most people wouldn't wear a jumper or a romper to the beach, but who knows? Maybe they do now. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. These look like they could be lookbook. Oh, yeah. Pictures for a current day fashion line. Like, they're beautiful. To be honest, I didn't realize that they were actually color photographs. I thought it was one of those articles where it's like, we colored these yeah. old photographs, you know? Yeah. But no, I, I see now that makes it much more authentic is, and, and beautiful. This is like Ryan McGinley shooting on autochrome right. <laughs> from 1913. Yeah. I mean, these are just lovely photos. They are. I wonder what else this guy shot. I mean, you can tell he's 
He's got an eye. Yeah, absolutely. He's got an eye. And you know what? He's, he's one of these parents who's like, Hey, go, you're my model. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and the daughter complies and, and she's, uh, she's an attractive model. So it's like, makes the photos all the more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They're beautiful. This is on Mashable. These, these photos, you definitely, every photo we talked about, you got to look at, but these photos are incredible. You need to see these. There is a very interesting project called the Nikonos project. Sarah, you're too young to remember this, but back in the day, Nikonos made a completely waterproof camera called the Nikonos. And the last version of that was the Nikonos 5. And you think about digital cameras now and the huge housings that you need to put on to shoot underwater. And back in the day, Nikon created this, which is no bigger than an SLR. And it had uh, changeable lenses. And and this uh, bright orange was was kind of... uh, the Nikonos color, but there's a guy, uh, Brandon Jennings, who kind of fell in love with these cameras. And so he bought up 250 of them and he started shipping to shipping them to people who wanted to use them. And the only catch is that you have to pay for the shipping to send it to the next guy in the queue. So people are shooting with film underwater for the Nikonos project. And then they post them on social media. I'm, I wish this, that there was a, a system like this, this borrowing system he's created, which I, I think is such a cool concept and what creates a great sense of community and, and makes them that much more shareable, all the images. Um, I wish there was something like that for a regular camera, not an under, underwater one, because mm. then I would totally sign on. You mean like old film cameras? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 But I'm not going swimming that much, so... <laughs> And, and, and you don't want to start it for, uh, for film cameras is what you're saying. Like someone else started. Basically. We are in the Uber generation where it's all about a shared asset. Exactly. Like the companies don't own what yeah. the product that they're providing. Yeah. Because how often are you actually going to use an Econos camera? Yeah, Probably true. not that often. So you, you know, you go to a beach, you use it for a couple of days and then ship it off to the next person. I'm super interested in all this stuff. I might get my name on the queue there. You should, you definitely should for the summer. Get, That'd be fun. Yeah. I wonder how long the wait is. Well, in this article, it says on Engadget that the queue is now 2,500 people long. Wow. Oh my God. So if I put my name on there, I might get it maybe next year. Yeah, really? Oh no. But Brandon is trying to acquire more Nikonos cameras. And of course they are getting harder, harder and harder to find. But what a cool project. Very cool. Um, Here's the last one. <laughs> we always try to end on a fun note. And this came out on Gizmodo, but it was it was so popular, this set of images, that I've already seen it on uh, the Fat Jewish and some other humor sites on Instagram. You know, almost the day it came out, they were kind of syndicating it in their feeds. So what we're looking at is a fake arm <laughs> selfie. Selfie so, stick. Yeah, it's a selfie stick, but it's like a hand. So it looks like you're holding the hand, which of course is reminiscent of Murad Osman's feed. Ah, yes. Of, of, with Follow Me Leo. Yes. Um, and Murad is, a, I mean, from his name, I'm assuming he's the Turkish guy, but, uh, you know, he and his girlfriend get invited by all these travel bureaus and countries to replicate essentially this shot in different places around the world. And he's, that's kind of his part-time living. Um, but now you don't need a beautiful girlfriend or beautiful boyfriend because you can just get the selfie hand. 
I love the only, it. Thing, the only thing I'll say about this hand, it looks kind of like it, it looks like it's from The Walking Dead. I know. Like, is it a zombie? It's like a zombie selfie stick. It's not an attractive hand. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, man, it was funny. You know, it reminded me, oh, gosh, it's been a while now, but there was a Japanese photographer uh, in, in our annual wrap-up of, uh, you know, 17 Reasons to Love Photography, but there was a Japanese photographer who took selfies of himself, um, but he'd kind of arrange his hands so it looked like somebody was feeding him. Oh, that's right. And he was smiling, and then he took the, the, the camera at a really high angle, so it looked like a girl. Oh, and he would paint fingernail polish on one hand. Yes, it was so his it looked fake like girlfriend. An attractive girl. Yeah, it was fake girlfriend. It's that, that you know... What people will do to get a photo on Instagram. <laughs> I know, they'll rob in banks, getting <laughs> selfie sticks that look like hands. This is getting a, absurd. I, you know, maybe what we need too is uh, maybe a whole line of these selfie sticks where it's like a cat paw, a dog paw. <laughs> <laughs> that would be or, good. Or, or just, you know, attachments for existing selfie sticks. I don't need to make this whole selfie stick. I can just make the, the, the paw. Yeah, true. All these ideas we have, you want to you wanna Uber of film cameras and I want to have paw attachments for selfie sticks. Well, that was a lot of photography to talk about. Um, so you're probably, probably going to want to watch this thing in slow motion. There was so much photography. <laughs> what, what an episode. Uh, <laughs> so we'll bring it back together in uh, a week or two with more great photography. But thanks for joining us again. All the links you can find on blog.photoshelter.com. So for Sarah Jacobs, this is Alan Murabayashi signing off. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.